Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Friday, April 3rd. My name is Javier Reyes, your host of this year's Lockdown Padres podcast. Check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapino. And if you feel so inclined, please, 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 oh please, hit me up on there with any questions you might have, and I'll do my very best to answer them here on the show. And today's show, it is part two of my conversation with Connor, which you guys heard part one. I believe it was Wednesday. Yes, it was Wednesday, in fact. And we talked about our top five kind of most memorable, most epic, most fantastical, most amazing and fantastical and blah, 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 blah of May Machado moments. And now for part two, Connor and I basically just went into a little bit more of a deep dive into kind of the narratives around Manny Machado and just, just in general his career and asking Connor about what it was like having him in Baltimore. What were those Baltimore teams like? Does he regret that he left? Does he not regret that he left? And of course, we even get into some of the controversies of Manny Machado as a player. And you probably know what I am alluding to. So without further ado, let's get into that part of the conversation, guys. Hope you enjoy. Let's just talk about Manny Machado in general. And you, I'll have you elaborate. This is when I really want you to uh, speak more on behalf of the Orioles and whatnot and just what it was like having him as a player and some other kind of narratives that surrounded him. And we'll get to that. I assume you know what I'm talking about when it comes to narratives. But first, I want to ask you, do you... Do you think that the Orioles should have kept Manny Machado? Do you think that they should have given him that money? And if not, why? Well, it's it's kind of a loaded question because mm-hmm. if you're asking me in 2018, you know, 2017, should the Orioles keep Manny Machado? The answer is no. The Orioles had a completely depleted farm system. Um, and when they started that 2018 season, they were terrible. They ended that season with 47 wins. Um, and they barely won any games in the first half with Machado even playing. Um, guys' contracts were all coming up at kind of the same time. The Euros weren't going to have the money to sign everybody, and y- the writing was on the wall that it was going to be rebuild time. So obviously it was time to trade Machado. They get five prospects back. Um, if we play baseball this year, you should see probably three of those five prospects in the big leagues with the Orioles, which you know hopefully turns out that they become – three major leaguers and I would think to to give up a guy like that you would at least want that back you know three guys who can compete at the major league level so I think the Orioles did fairly well with with that trade with the Dodgers but um if you ask me in 2014 2015 should the Orioles have kept Manny Machado I would say yes because if you look back then to 2015 after that season was the year they gave all that money to Chris Davis about 200 million dollars to a yeah. guy that has essentially struck out in every at-bat since he got that contract. Um, <laughs> and if you look back in 2014, you know, Machado was hurt at the end of the year, missed the playoffs when the Orioles won the division and went to the American League Championship Series. But if they would have had him, I mean, there's a chance they could have played in the World Series that year. And the next year he was great in 2015 coming back from the injury. And the Orioles made the playoffs, not that year, but went back in 2016. And the team was still good, and it was still trying to build towards a World Series. So if you ask me back then, yes. But in the situation they got themselves to with that depleted farm, and you know, we talked about the starting pitching not being good, and just the fact that they were where they were at, and their their time you know, as a contender had kind of run its course a little bit, um, it just felt like it was time to trade him. So if you ask me you know, 2017 or later, trade him. But the goal would have been, you know, you lock him up to a, 
a Juan Moncada style, uh, some of these White Sox younger guys. I don't know if you've been following that, where they've been locking up guys even before they get to the majors, or you know they play one year in the major leagues and you lock them up to an extension. Not mm-hmm. the biggest fan of that because I think it it devalues guys and kind of leaves them a little vulnerable. You know, after a rookie season, you're giving me fifty million dollars. Of course, you're going to take fifty million dollars after you're a rookie. But you know, in the back of your mind, knowing that after your fourth year, you might be worth one hundred fifty million dollars. But it would have been nice to see the Orioles lock up something with him maybe after 2014, you know, two full seasons in the bigs. They just won the division. They they had shown that they, you know, didn't struggle without him, but would have loved to have him when he was injured. Um, And it would have been perfect if they could have locked him up to some sort of, you know, five, six year deal worth a hundred some million dollars, but just never worked out. And and he's, you know, with the Padres now, and and you can kind of see starting at the end of that 2017 season that he was uh, he was not going to be an Oriole for life. And I remember what was – I remember that last season too. He'd been – wasn't as stellar defensively, I feel like, as we'd grown accustomed to. This wasn't like a gold glove season for him. And I remember he was playing a lot of shortstop. And I think that that was one of the criticisms against him as people were saying, is this guy not trying? Is he just trying to – get traded and then he'll do stuff. And I remember that kind of popping up and also just uh, to, to add on to the Chris Davis thing. I've never seen a more confusing stretch of a player than Chris Davis. I think he's up there. It's, I mean, this is a guy who hit, I think it was 53 home runs that one year. I think it was 2012 and or no 2013. I think it was. And, and then he's follows that season up after batting 286 and an on-base of 370, I'm looking at the stats right now, then he goes 196 and 300 with 26 home runs. One of the more puzzling players that I've ever seen. And then the year after that, he's great. You know, he bets 260, then hits 47 home runs, and then you're right, and then that contract comes in, and he had arguably one of the worst seasons, I think, for a first baseman. Certainly one of the first that I've seen, like, ever, and that was in 2018 when I think he struck out 475 times yeah it was really just yeah it was it was rough to watch and every time I was with my dad and they were playing the Yankees right and he would forcibly make me watch the game um but it was just like I don't understand like he swung the bat like he was drunk I I don't want to hate on the guy too much because you know these guys are obviously trying but it was it was kind of indicative of really just it was this sad reflection on where the team was going and I agree with you I think that this wasn't a situation where the Orioles necessarily had a choice while it's great to keep your star players and of course you try building farm systems to get players who one day come up like Manny Machado you just can't do that and you don't want to be in an Angels situation necessarily either where the Angels are a bottom tier kind of farm system and they've got the best player in baseball but they can't really do anything with it and Mike Trout's only made the playoffs I believe once in his career so you definitely don't want to be in that situation, and it's tough. So um, my condolences to you guys and the Orioles fans for kind of losing out on that. Also, just a quick shout-out to just those teams. Chris Davis, Mark Trumbo, Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz, I remember when he was coming off a season in which he was suspended, and for him to come back and have his like hit more home runs than he ever did before, that was nuts to watch. It was a really fun Orioles team, and I think that that has gotten a little bit lost, and more people remember the situation when they didn't put in what was the closer's name? I'm Zach forgetting. Zach Britton in the wild card game. Yeah. Yeah. Zach Britton yeah. in the wild card game when he had an ERA of like 0.20 that year or whatever obscene number it was. 
And I feel like more people remember that stuff than they remember kind of the good. And, you know, it's good to talk about these things sometimes and just remember kind of the good times and the fun times of sports. And even if it didn't result in a championship. Yeah, that uh, that 2016 wildcard game you just mentioned, not putting Zach Britton in, he was 47 for 47 in saves. He had a .54 ERA that year, and Buck didn't use him, and Jeez. they lose on the walk-off to Edwin Encarnacion hitting the homer off of Ubaldo Jimenez. But uh, that kind of ended the, the streak, you know, uh, the first streak of my lifetime of the Orioles, you know, being good and making the playoffs. From 2012 to 2016, that five-year stretch, the Orioles made the playoffs three times. They never had a losing record over those five years. Um, and had the most wins in the American League in that five-year stretch, which is crazy to think about because you got the Yankees Mm -hmm. and the Red Sox. But you got to remember, in between those Red Sox World Series years, they had some pretty bad years as they kind of rebuild those teams. The Yankees had those couple of bad years in 13 and 14 when they had all these bad, old, hurt veterans and were kind of trying to transition. Like Vernon Wells, yeah. Right, they were transitioning from the Jeter era to this new era of Yankees. And the Red Sox had those down years. Think about the Tigers. You know, they went to the World Series and the Rangers, but they were starting to tail off a little bit um, at the end there. The Orioles had the most wins in the American League for that five-year stretch. And you look at them now where they've had the worst record than the second worst record um, in back-to-back years, you know, just a couple years removed from that stretch. It's been tough. I did want to touch on one thing you had mentioned a little bit ago about Manny, you know, playing shortstop that last year. You know, he had mm-hmm. always talked about he was a shortstop. He got drafted as a shortstop. I'm a shortstop. When he came up to the Orioles, they had J.J. Hardy, who was a two-time right. defending gold glove shortstop. They weren't going to move J.J. Hardy. So Manny played third where the Orioles had a hole, and he was fantastic. Um, when Hardy got hurt during the 2015 season for about a week, and then in the 2016 season, Hardy missed about two months. Manny played short both those times and did fine defensively. Um, but in 2018, the Orioles finally made the move. J.J. Uh, Hardy didn't technically retire. I don't know if he technically has yet, but he's been out of baseball um, since that year. Uh, mm-hmm. They moved Manny to short officially. The defensive metrics went way down for Machado, and it was really interesting to see because that first half of the season, that you could say a lot of it has to do with the fact that he was playing on a terrible team. He goes to right. the Dodgers, and the Dodgers put him back at, well, they play him mostly at short. But he plays a little third because the Dodgers have so many freaking players that yeah. hit 20 homers and you got to get them in the lineup. <laughs> Don't have to remind me little, about that. Yeah, he plays a little bit at third and he was back to his phenomenal self at third. And then he went back to short and he was better than with the Orioles, but wasn't fantastic defensively. And now I know, you know, he's back at third base most of the time with the Padres. Mm-hmm. And again, he's he's pretty good defensively, maybe not as good as he was in Baltimore. But it's interesting how often he said he was a shortstop. but He's really been better at, at third base throughout his career. Yeah, he's just one of those. And it happens in baseball all the time. I mean, I don't, this is the first thing that came to mind, but I'm pretty sure Mariano Rivera, who's he was pegged to be a starting pitcher when he first started, moved to the bullpen, became one of the greats of all time. It's just maybe sometimes that just happens. And it's important to find where your actual, I guess, strengths are. And that's the job of the team to do as well. And which you mentioned, the defensive numbers is definitely something that I'm expecting for Machado to really bring back those like three, four plus war seasons defensively that he had with the Orioles when he won the gold glove. And if he's able to do that and just be moderately good offensively, he could really help the Padres a ton. Um, And also you brought up JJ Hardy. I just want to give a shout out. I remember when that guy was a 30 homer, 25 homer guy. And all of a sudden he just didn't hit anything. And I just remember that being one of the prime examples of what happens in baseball sometimes 
where guys just they just drop off a cliff and it can be maddening it can be relieving if you're a rival team of that team but it's just it's really nuts to say and the Orioles I feel like had a lot of guys like that and it's it's unfortunate but it happens yeah they just had some guys who got older and stopped hitting and just a bad combination and which is what what made it smart to uh, to trade Manny once they got to that point hey guys just taking a quick little break here from my conversation with Connor so I can talk to you about Withings. Do you hate stepping on the scale? Maybe it's because you haven't met the right one. A company called Withings produced the world's first smart scale and they are still the best. In fact, Tom's Guide rated Withings Body Plus the best overall smart scale for 2020. If you are looking to lose weight, willpower is key, but so is having the right tools. Withings smart scales are known for durability and an exceptional user-friendly design. Step on and data from every way and syncs automatically to the free app for iOS and Android via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Lots of smart scales don't have the Wi-Fi option and it means you need to have your phone on you. But Withings Body Plus gives weight, full body composition, weight trend, and even a local weather report. The scale can support up to eight users and even know who is who. So here's the deal. You can get 25% off a Withings Body Plus right now at withings.com for a very limited time. Go to withings.com, W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S.com slash MLB to get 25% off Body Plus body composition scales. That's withings, W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S.com slash MLB to get 25% off Body Plus body composition scale. I wanted to close out the podcast with asking you about the narratives surrounding Manny Machado's career. And this isn't, this might be, some people might say this is a wash conversation and this is something that's already been discussed, but it did get brought up last year with the Padres, certainly. And I'm wondering, Manny Machado throughout a lot of his career, or at least, no, yeah, throughout a lot of his career has been pegged as being a dirty player. Just what are your kind of thoughts on that? Yeah, so I mean, he had his moments. I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, His biggest gripe, uh, came with Josh Donaldson right. during his time with the Orioles. Um, at one point, you know, there was a tag made at third base. I believe, you know, it's it's kind of funny. This all happened when Donaldson was with the A's. And then, yeah. wouldn't you know it, Donaldson ends up going to Toronto where he's playing Manny 19 times a year, not just six times a year. But this happened when he was with the, with the A's. And there was a tag at third base where, you know, Manny fielded a ground ball. And the, I think there was runners on first and second. And Donaldson was coming his way. And or it might have been the other way around, actually. I believe Manny was running and Donaldson yeah. was at third base. Um, and Donaldson kind of puts, you know, a little bit of a harder tag on him than he needed to. And Manny kind of sold it a bit. And I think he lost his footing and ended up falling down. And it did look like kind of a shove um, in real time. When you break it down a little bit, I think it was just a bad combination of a little too hard of a tag and Manny kind of losing his footing. Um, but Manny goes down, gets upset, kind of gets into Donaldson's face. Um, and it eventually gets broken up, you know, it didn't turn into a fight or anything, but then Manny, you know, you might say the bat slipped out of his hands, but it sure looked <laughs> like he threw his bat at Josh Donaldson after a strikeout, um, later that year where he kind of, or later that game, maybe where he just kind of flung it down the third baseline where Donaldson was standing. That obviously caused an uproar. Um, he had the, the thing a couple, I think after he left Baltimore, I think it was with the Dodgers stepping on somebody's uh, yep. heel at first base. Uh, which I was obviously a little less in tune with because he wasn't uh, with Baltimore anymore, but but remember it happening. I always felt like that one was just an accident that got compounded by his past. But I will say that, you know, throwing your bat at a guy is not okay. The way he reacted was an overreaction at third base with Donaldson. 
And I know Donaldson gets on a lot of people's nerves as well. So it was kind of a bad combination of, of two guys there. You know, it's, it's fair to say he made some bad decisions in that way, but I think he really matured over his time with the Orioles, especially when he became a leader in that clubhouse in his last couple of years. And, you know, I don't think that should be his narrative anymore. And I don't think it should have been the narrative at, in the first place, but I think it's fair to to definitely question and scrutinize the things he did, especially uh, in that in that little stretch with Donaldson. Right. And look, I think that a lot of times it's 100 percent fair. And what happens when you're being pegged as a dirty player is every single thing you do is going to be scrutinized. And I think it's one of those things that's it's justifiable and I understand it. But every now and there's been moments and this might be controversial, but I just the the bat throw thing was was bad, right? But I don't like that seemingly more people were freaking out about that versus when people are like throwing at his head. Like to me personally, again, this this might be taken the wrong way by some, but like I don't view him throwing the bat and someone who's throwing a baseball at his head as these completely dissonant things that one is worse than the other. I remember he had this incident with Jordana Ventura who RIP rest in peace of course um, when he was with the Royals back when the Royals were starting to become unlikable as someone who was following the American League a little bit could not stand that team after they won the World Series they were just super obnoxious and I was not a fan of Jordana Ventura who this was kind of his MO he loved throwing at people apparently and I remember listening back actually to the announcers when Ventura was throwing at him or he was getting upset with him and then uh it was like a little bit inside and then the answers were like oh well Manny Machado is getting upset now it looks like uh apparently Yordana Ventura has to throw it right down the middle and it's like no that's not what happened like if somebody's throwing at you it's not like the batter just has to stand there I, I've never really understood that it's been really kind of insulting whenever people bring that up and pitchers are allowed to do whatever but batters oh you, you flip a bat or you dare kind of stand up for yourself and it becomes a whole thing and then of course he ended up charging them out i'm pretty sure later that game after ventura tried to hit him again so yeah. it's one of those things where and i remember he got hit by boston there was the the issue with the the dustin pedroia slide which i think was another one of the scenarios where maybe was it a little bit unnecessary of a slide yes but and again, this is all projecting and speculating and of what his intentions were sliding in there. But it didn't seem like this super malicious thing. It seemed like an accident. I think most of the conversation about Machado, like we've been kind of alluding to, has been fair. But every now and then, it's like when he was with the Padres and there was this controversy over where he intentionally ran into or threw, dropped his bat next to the catcher giant Ryan Murphy. I thought that was complete nonsense. My, my perspective was kind of just like catch the ball, my guy. Like it wasn't – he really didn't do anything to you. But, yeah, it's also one of these things where I understand it. And, unfortunately, it's definitely something that's going to follow him for a long time. And while he's still – you know, he's still young. He's still 27. He definitely has time to kind of amend that and really change the narrative around him. Yeah, and he does. And, and listen, you know, that the, the stuff with Donaldson was back in the first couple years of his career. Right. And he hasn't had something escalate to that level since then where it's been you know really you could say his fault um mm -hmm. if guys are throwing at his head because he's taking too long around the bases or whatever the case may be batters should have every right to to go run out there and punch a pitcher in the face which is what manny did to Jordan ventura that day it wasn't at that game but i was at the game the very next day when orioles fans gave him a standing ovation in his first at bat 
um, at Camden Yards. But um, I mean, this goes into a bigger issue of you shouldn't be throwing it anyone's head anyway yeah. if you're mad about bad flips and home run trots, just get somebody out. I mean, I think later in his career, I think there's been more of a, a scrutiny and more of a watchful eye watching for things that, you know, have never gotten to the level of the Donaldson incident. But because that set the tone and he was in the wrong there, that everything is going to be scrutinized under a microscope, that everything he does is is seen as a dirty play. And listen, I like Manny Machado and I know Orioles fans who, while they appreciate what he did, how good he was, what he brought to the city, don't like Manny Machado. And I won't say like, oh, you know, I'll never wear my Machado jersey or that, but you know, are fine with him hitting 200 as a San Diego Padre or, you know, <laughs> wouldn't give him a standing ovation when he returns with the Padres or or didn't when he returned to Camden Yards last season, but still appreciate, you know, what he does in Oriole because of that kind of narrative. But, you know, I think it's a little unfair at this point, not as unfair back when the Donaldson stuff happened, but, you know, he's a great player. He also gets a lot of criticism for not hustling, you know, I'm not a big fan of that either. How many times can you hustle a gr- infield ground, grounder into a single? One out of 500 yeah. times maybe with how good Major League Baseball infielders are. So that's just a reason for people to just get mad because they want to get mad as well. Yeah, and with the whole not hustling thing, and I made the, the connection to Robinson Cano and how they remind me defensively of that ease of the way that they they throw the ball back to first or what have you. I remember Robinson Cano, the New York media, that was a thing, right? Where they were like, this guy doesn't hustle. And I just hustle things are very tough because also I look at a guy like Robinson Cano when he was with the Yankees, if I'm not mistaken, never really unhealthy. So at least the guy was always there. And if he's not going to run incredibly hard to first base every time, I just feel like you're kind of reaching for reasons to get annoyed at a player because he didn't hit a home run that at bat or what have you. And just to, to wrap things up in a little bit of a bow in general, I think there's been a lot of moments when people are thrown at Machado that like the Ventura one and the Matt Barnes one where it's like, all right, like I get the whole Dustin Pedroia thing and retribution and what have you, but throwing out a guy's head, let's, let's ease up on that at least at the minimum. I wish that this would kind of leave baseball entirely, especially when it comes to just that bat flips. I mean, I can understand if you think a guy's a dirty player that there's this need for retribution. But when it comes to just bat flipping and celebrating and how someone plays, I really wish they would get rid of that entirely. And I remember the Hunter Strickland and Bryce Harper incident from a few years ago. It's just something that I feel like baseball needs to kind of really try to get out of its game. And I really think if they wanted to, they could. And I hope that they do. And I know that I've I've said this ad nauseum on my podcast whenever I get the chance to talk about how much I can't stand this aspect of a game that I really love. But yeah, uh, Connor, this has been fun. This has been a lengthy talk, but I hope you you've had a lot of fun talking Manny Machado stuff and really just talking about the narratives around his career. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. I hope you did too. Yeah, and I, and I love Manny Machado, and always have a special place in my heart as an Orioles fan, and we'll always. Uh, cheer for him, support him to do well in San Diego. And, you know, if he ends up anywhere else in, in his career as well, but, but Javier, thanks a lot for, for having me on as well to talk baseball. Cause what else is there to do right now? <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Um, so yeah, that's about it guys for today's edition of the lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves still forever and always, no matter the guests or circumstances going to be making that joke. Remember to subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, whatever. Follow the show or myself on Twitter. You can also follow Connor 
which is what's your Twitter name, my friend? Uh, at Connor Newcomb underscore, just my name with uh, with an underscore on the end. And be sure to follow Lockdown Orioles. Stay tuned to that. Until next time, stay safe and of course stay faithful, my Friar Faithful homies. Take care. <laughs>